Hi, this is Sean Gladding, and welcome back to the Naked Man podcast, in which I'm exploring the Gospel of Mark. As you listen in on these imagined conversations, I hope they'll enrich your reading of the Bible, as well as provide a different lens through which to view the story of Jesus, as well as your own story. To that end, I hope you found the questions I pose at the end to be thought-provoking and helpful. In this episode, we continue our first evening with the church that meets in Miriam's home and begin to discover Mark's subversive use of the language of empire. The Son of God, the young man called out again. Johanan, you make your Jesus sound more like Caesar than Messiah. Mark turned to address him. My young friend, you have me at a disadvantage. You know my name, but I don't know yours. Yiftak, my name is Yiftak. A smile played at Mark's lips. Then your father chose well for it would appear you have grown into your name. Yiftak is honoured among the judges of our people, an outcast who became a great warrior. Yiftak shifted uncomfortably as people turned towards him appraisingly, although he didn't seem displeased with Mark's words. Mark continued, Tell me the reason for your pronouncement. The gospel of the Son of God? Yiftak said dismissively. Glad tidings of the Son of the Divine? How many times have our people heard those words from the heralds of our Roman oppressors? How many times have we heard the latest good news about Caesar, about yet another victory over a newly conquered people? How is it that you use such language in the same breath as talk of Messiah? That's a good question, Mark responded. And... If I were like you, still waiting for Messiah, perhaps I would not use such language. But we of the way believe Messiah has come, that he is Jesus, the Christ, and with him has come the kingdom of God. So why not begin the story of Jesus by serving notice on Caesar and his imperial propaganda? Yiftak snorted loudly. (laughs) Why not? other than the fact that your Jesus did not depose Caesar from his throne, nor remove his legions from our land, Vespasian's troops being even now camped just outside this city. Exactly what kind of notice do you think you're serving on Rome? Yiftak's words prompted several people to nod their heads in agreement with his sentiment, and then turned to Mark for a response. Mark glanced quickly at Simeon, who shrugged his shoulders as if to say, Now you can see for yourself. Mark offered him a quick smile of encouragement before turning back to Yiftak. Again, a reasonable question, the answer to which I hope you will discover as you hear the story of Jesus. But let me ask you a question. Do you not grow weary of the endless history of empire? of the endless succession of one powerful nation after another rising up only to inevitably fall to a more powerful nation. Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and now Rome. Do you truly believe that Messiah will come only so that Israel can replace Rome? 
that Messiah will lead the armies of Israel against Vespasian. Is that the Messiah you are waiting for? Do you not long for a new beginning, not just more of the same death and destruction? What I long for, responded Yiftak, his eyes flashing in the lamplight, is the destruction of those soldiers camped outside the wall, for Rome to leave, and for a descendant of David to sit on the throne of Israel, to rule our people in our own land. That is the Messiah I'm waiting for. That is the new beginning that I long for. And, said Mark gently, You must surely hope that this Messiah will act differently than your leaders of recent years, who have slaughtered your fellow countrymen within the very walls of the city of David. Will Simon Bar-Giora be any different than them, even if he does manage to drive Caesar's legions from your gates? Yiftak began to get to his feet angrily, but stopped, and then sat back down against the olive tree. He held Mark's gaze for a long moment, but did not offer a response to his question. A look of understanding seemed to pass between them, and then Mark turned to address the ecclesia. I am telling you plainly what we who walked with Jesus failed to see. Yes, today we confess the gospel that Jesus is Lord, and Caesar is not. But as we walked the hills of Galilee with him, Jesus proclaimed that gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of God, and we did not, or would not, understand what he was trying to teach us. How could we? Mark turned to find his mother pushing herself up from her seat. She addressed the community. His teaching was so fundamentally different from that of the scribes and the Pharisees, It did indeed feel like he was trying to build a whole new world within the shell of the old one with his words. A world we could not imagine. Then, as you well know, Johannan, in the early days I not only did not understand what Jesus taught, but I was opposed to it. And as a concerned mother, I certainly did not want you involved with him. I well remember, mother. Mark's eyes took on a distant look, suddenly caught up in a vivid memory. But when John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, I, like all the country of Judea, went out to him, along with all the people of Jerusalem, and we were baptized by John in the Jordan River, confessing our sins. It was John who prepared us for the one who would come after him, for Jesus. For as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his way straight. But but surely, said one of Yiftak's companions, his brow wrinkled in confusion, those are the words of the prophet Malachi, not of Isaiah. And said another, you have not completed the prophet's declaration, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. 
Mark held out his arms wide, taking in the assembly. How wonderful it is to be back among people who know and love the scriptures. He turned towards the young men. You are both right. Well, then why did you choose to say it like that? Mark surveyed the courtyard and saw that more than a few heads were nodding with weariness. It is late. Perhaps we can save that question until tomorrow night. Thanks as always for listening. I look forward to meeting you on the streets of Jerusalem again next time. Between now and then, perhaps you can take some time to reflect on these questions. Yiftak is committed to violent resistance to Rome's oppression. He is embodying the myth of redemptive violence, the belief that sometimes the only option to confront oppressive violence is to inflict violence in return. Now, calling this a myth is not to assert that it is not true. It's merely saying that this is a meaning-making story, or perhaps to say, that's just the way the world works. Most of us, when push comes to shove, if you'll pardon a verbal pun, fall back on this myth. So the question this week is, under what circumstances do you think violence is justified? How did you come to that decision? What informed your belief? And, finally, are there any alternatives to the myth of redemptive violence? Until the next time.